Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of Legends of the Batman, a podcast that covers everything Batman from the beginning. My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm Michael Bradley. And this week, we are moving on in the world of Batman and covering all his appearances in the month of November of 1940, which, lucky for us, is just one measly issue, Detective Comics number 46. So this will be a quick one. Yep. Uh, but episode 25, I think we deserve cool. pres- we deserve presents or something. I mean, I know it's not a huge number, but pie. Yeah, isn't that the? I don't know what what uh, kind of present you're supposed to get, but maybe free Batman action figures. That's stuff, but... send that's send your favorite Batman podcaster some comics anniversary. I'll take an action figure. That'll work. Statues. That way, I can just put it on my desk. Um, <laughs> I have a little uh, Superman. It, it came off – it's like the top of a uh, bottle, like a, a juice bottle, you know, but uh-huh. it looks like Superman and he's yeah. busting chains. I have that on my computer desk here. What Very about cool. at work? What about at work? Do you show your nerdity at work? Uh, n- well, I mean they all know I'm a Superman fan because I'm friends with all my coworkers, but I don't really put a lot of stuff up in my cubicle because they like to keep our cubicles bland and gray. Oh, yeah? They don't yeah. let you have like a cool mouse pad or something? Well, I could probably bring in one, but – I'd have, I'd have to buy it myself. And I got a Star Trek set a while back of a, I think it's like a coffee mug and a mouse pad and a, I don't know what else it was, something like that. So that's all I got going at work. But anyway, that's not Batman. So at my last job, I could do a little more. And I, uh, there's a Superman imaginary story from the Silver Age, where, or maybe it's a Red Kryptonite dream. I forget. But anyway. The, the the gist of the story is Earth has been destroyed, so Superman and Supergirl and Crypto have to go somewhere else. But the splash panel that opens the story, it shows Superman and Supergirl out in space, and then you see Earth exploding, and Supergirl says something to the effect of that Superman accidentally blew up Earth, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. So I printed out that panel and hung it up on my desk. And of course that probably wasn't true. Well, no, like I said, it was a... Imaginary uh, story or a red kryptonite dream. I forget which now, but uh, yeah. Oh, if it was red kryptonite, maybe it was true. Eh. It was. Here, I can probably look up. It was called The Orphans of Space, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Superman 144, The Orphans of Space. Oh, that's that, That's what it was. I forgot about – yeah, we see – we don't see Earth in the splash panel. We see Superman, Supergirl, Crypto, and then a, uh, a spaceship there with some cosmic police and um, – and Supergirl is saying, those cosmic police consider Superman a criminal because he accidentally blew up Earth. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. It's it's good to be Superman. The, the cover, we see Earth exploding with the three of them standing there. That's what I was thinking of. But anyway, you're right, that's not Batman. Well, I bet no one's ever accused Batman of blowing up the Earth. <laughs> like we, I could be wrong, I guess we'll find out. But We'll find out eventually. But in the meantime, I think we got uh, an email... Oh, yes, we do. Uh, this one comes from Virginia James, and sh- the, the subject is Love You Guys. And she writes, I just wanted to send you a note of admiration. You guys are doing a very good – you guys are doing very good on this podcast. I have a super boring desk job, so I want to thank you for giving me something to listen to to pass the time at work. I have been a Batman fan since I was five years old, and it's great to go through all the classic comic stories. Thanks for the awesome podcast. You got, you have great insights on the Golden Age Batman stories. Thanks again, and keep, keep up the great work. Awesome. Very awesome. So the question is, 
do you have any Batman stuff on your desk at your boring at your <laughs> right. boring desk job? I bet if uh, I bet if she did, it wouldn't be a boring desk job. That's right. As boring anyway. Yeah. Okay, well, on to our mission tonight to cover all appearances of November of 1940, which again, one comic. It's not that difficult to do. Detective Comics number 46, which had a cover date of December 1940, but came out the month prior, probably around November 5th of 1940, with a 10-cent cover price and an editor named Whitney Ellsworth. On the cover, which was penciled by Bob Kane, with inks by Jerry Robinson and George Rousseau, and letters by George Rousseau, we have Batman in the foreground decking a guy... Well, in the background, Robin is doing his jump on the bad guy's shoulders move that he does a lot. It's uh, a scene from the story. Oh, wait. It's a scene from every Batman story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not These covers have been kind of generic lately. Yeah, and unfortunately, they kind of stay that way for a while. But Yeah. I don't know. I, I like the idea of this cover. I mean, it's Batman and Robin beating up bad guys. You know, who wouldn't love that? But yeah. Batman looks weird, and his head looks like one of those color form stick-ons. And <laughs> right. like yeah. we've talked about, Robin's gonna break that guy's neck. So yeah, yeah, I can't wait till you know. I like the. I guess that's more like the Silver Age. That's a long time coming, but where they have actual captions and dialogue, like Superman destroyed the Earth or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's fun stuff. But anyway, inside our story that mainly concerns us tonight is the Batman story called, eventually called Professor Strange's Fear Dust. It is only 12 pages long. Yeah, what's that about? I don't know. I didn't even notice that till I got to the end of my notes and I thought I had messed up on my page count or something. I couldn't figure out why it was ending already. But Are any of the other features an extra page this time? No, actually they're all six except for slam which is eight and one of them is which one was it one of them is five the cliff crosby so that's two weird two features that got shorter to page so i'm wondering if it's just more ads could be what if they were they were just trying to get in more revenue or something i don't know well, with, the, with the batman story they clearly ran out of story before they got to the end of even 12 pages as we'll find out but <laughs> right right so you know. Maybe they just are getting tired. Who knows? But you'd think if Batman is popular, and he obviously is, they would demand 13 pages, but maybe they're just trying to, you know, advertise more. Who knows? Um, So the story, this measly 12 pages, is by, script by Bill Finger, pencils by Bob Kane, inks by Jerry Robinson, George Rousseau, letters by George Rousseau, copy-paste, complete. Uh, And the summary goes... Once again, crime rears its ugly head to prey upon society, and once again emerges that super foe of crime, the Batman. Garbed in the hues of night itself, he hovers above the hordes of evil like impending doom. And always at his side, like a strong right arm, is grinning, reckless Robin, the boy wonder, who is something of a crime buster in his own right. Uh, Batman, on his nightly patrol, runs across a group of nefarious thugs, looting a warehouse. Dropping down on him, Batman lets them charge him and easily takes them down one by one. When he gets to the final thug, ready to knock him out with a punch, he pulls back, realizing the criminal is just a boy, no more than 17 years old. The boy pleads to be let go, crying that if he were arrested it would just kill his mother. Batman hesitates, not wanting to kill a mother, and to pour it on thicker, 
The boy then promises Batman that if he lets him go, he will tell Batman about, quote, something big going down in the city. Enticed by this idea, Batman agrees, and the boy tells him about how the racketeer Carstairs is planning something big because he got a big gang together and promised them all they were going to be millionaires, and that he had a big plan that was thought up by some mysterious professor, and the, the cops wouldn't be able to stop them so long as they all took a pill they were given. The boy then informs Batman there is another meeting that very night to finalize the details. Batman tells the boy that he is going to let him go, along with the unconscious thugs he just beat up, so that they can go to the meeting, but with the understanding that the boy is to meet him back at the same location at midnight tomorrow to tell him the plans. Batman also takes some samples of the pills given to the boy by the professor. Of course, the boy agrees to all this, and the Batman disappears into the night before the thugs wake up from their beatings, wondering what happened to the Batman, but deciding not to think too much about their lucky break because they have a meeting to get to. At the meeting, the racketeer Carstairs introduces them to the professor, who turns out to be... Dum-dum-dum... The thought-dead Hugo Strange. Hugo Strange tells them that the plan will go down tomorrow afternoon, which makes the boy nervous because he's not supposed to meet Batman until later that night, at which point it will be too late. Tomorrow at noon comes along, and various banks all over the cities are hit up by Carstairs and Hugo's men, who are unable to be stopped by the police because each man is carrying a gas gun, which emits a vapor that causes anyone in the vicinity to be consumed by fear and unable to act. That night, as Carstairs and Hugo pat each other on the back and look over all the money that was collected for them, Hugo notes to Carstairs that he noticed the boy in the meeting seemed awfully nervous, so Carstairs decides to put a tail on him. That night, as the boy returns to the rendezvous point to meet with Batman at the designated time, Batman arrives in time to get knocked in the back of the head by the thug tailing the boy. The Batman falls unconscious and wakes up to find himself face to face with Hugo Strange. Hugo has a hate-on for Batman something awful and orders his thugs to beat him down. Despite Batman's valiant attempts to fight back, the numbers are too overwhelming, the space is too small, and Batman is beaten unconscious, and Hugo orders him to be locked into another room. Eventually, Batman wakes up, sore and tired, and overhears Hugo in the next room, talking to his men about how his real plan isn't to rob banks, but to reign over America, becoming its dictator by infecting the higher-ups in office and even the common man, who, when infected, will be so afraid that the country will be in chaos. Hugo then gives each of the men papers with assignments on where to spray the fear dust, while Batman decides, decides he is too weak to rush them at the moment, and that he had better wait until he gets his full strength back. Sometime later, Batman decides he's ready, but when he lips from the room, he unfortunately finds three guards that were left behind to watch him. However, the totally awesome Batman taps his inner strength and straightens his battered form, towering over the guards as he fiercely pounces on them, knocking them all unconscious. He then rifles through the professor's papers and calls Robin, telling him to take one of those pills he gave him earlier and to copy down the targeted locations. Batman and Robin then split up, covering all the areas they found in Hugo's notes. Batman finds a group at a subway tunnel and dispatches them before they spray their sinister toxin, while Robin heads to a reservoir and stops men from dumping barrels on the poison into the city's water supply proving immune to the thugs' fear spray since he took the pill, much to their surprise. Robin then makes his way to a movie theater, stopping men from spraying into the 
crowd, while across town, Batman confronts Hugo Strange at his secret hangar, where he planned to fly around the city and spray the toxin from his airplane. When Batman arrives, Hugo Strange becomes so infuriated, he surprises the Batman with his rage and knocks the Cape Crusader down. They tumble and turn along a path near a sharp cliff, each man trying to get the upper hand, when finally Batman lands a square punch onto Hugo, which causes the villain to teeter on the ledge and ultimately loses balance. Batman watches as Hugo falls to his doom, deciding that really is the end of Hugo Strange. Later, Robin meets up with Batman and the two walk in the night, making their way back home and discussing the case. Robin found it disconcerting to see policemen afraid and wonders what will happen to all the people who are infected by the fear gas. Batman tells his sidekick that he will give the antidote pills to the research department and they will be able to duplicate the cure. Batman then breaks the fourth wall and tells us, the reader, thanks for being with us again this month. Robin and I look forward to these little get-togethers with all you readers every month in Detective Comics. Let's make it a standing date. The end. Aww. Aww. So we have a less awesome splash this time, but it's still still okay, I guess. Yeah, it's okay. I actually kind of have a little nitpick about it, because, I mean, I don't know if these splash pages are supposed to be what's actually happening, or just some sort of pinup art, but he's swinging in from the side here, and the next panel he lands on a crate that's nowhere to be found on the splash page, as far as I could... Or at least not at the same angle he's swinging in at, so it's kind of weird. It's just a minor nitpick, but... No, he lands on he lands on the dock. He lands on the dock? Yeah, because see the... If you look over to page two, see the uh, stairways, the stair going up? Well, then why are all the guys downstairs when they're up top at the beginning? I don't know. Um, they jumped down there when they saw him swinging in. Oh, okay. For Because, you know, if you're below your opponent, you always have the advantage. <laughs> right, right, unless you're a Sith Lord, yeah. So moving on to page two, uh, the, the narration in panel one says... With a challenging, mocking smile, he stands there like some terrible figure of vengeance. <laughs> it's a bit of a mixed description there, isn't it? Yeah, but he's kind of a mixed guy these days, because he is trying yeah. to still be a terrible figure of vengeance, but at the same time, he mocks everybody and is punny. Right, right. Um, yeah. I, I like this panel, though. Oh, yeah. The missing symbol aside, uh -huh. which seems to be a chronic problem throughout the whole story. But yeah, and I also think maybe even the gloves were missing initially, or at least, well, this could be the reprint, I don't know. But it looks like the color's there, but no line on one of those gloves. Like, maybe the color has fixed it or something. Um, it, well, it's kind of hard to tell. I'm looking at a scan of the original. It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, um, it's it, more it, prevalent on the reprint, so maybe right. it's just a reprint problem. But, yeah, it's a really cool uh, panel, though. I like it. A full figure shot from the point of view of the guys down below. Mm -hmm. But just think how much awesome this whole page would be if you took away Batman's speech balloons. As you just have Batman, you know, <laughs> silently going about, throwing thugs around, kicking them in the face, punching them off the dock. Heel meets heel. Bet you go down faster than you come up. Cute little cut up, aren't you? Yeah. Ba Batman should never say cute. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a word Batman should never say. Yeah, I keep thinking, like, I'm kind of getting fat and lazy and I should go to the gym, but that apparently hasn't been motivating me, you know, my whole health and living forever kind of stuff. But right. this one panel here where Batman picks the man up like he were a child, as if he were a child, and 
throws the dude down the stairs. That makes me want to go to the gym. Because <laughs> that sounds like that'd be really cool if you could just pick a dude up over your head and throw him down the stairs. Yeah. Not that I know anybody that I want to pick up and throw downstairs, but it could you happen. You never know. It's a skill. It could come in handy at any time. I be- no. Absolutely. Um, I got over to page three about halfway down, and I'm thinking, didn't we just read this story? Yes. You know, I thought have- – I actually have- really did think that. I was like, wait, am I reading the wrong issue? Because <laughs> it starts out with Batman beating up crooks, and then he pulls a kid aside yeah. as part of the crooks. So uh-huh. The last guy he's going to punch, too, just like last mm-hmm. time. Right. I really I really did stop and double-check to make sure I had the right number, because it just seemed like exact same panel. But the kid's a little older in this. He's 17, I guess, or supposed to look 17 anyway. The other kid was more like... Eight. He says he says no more than seventeen at most. So yeah, yeah. he's a little older. Yeah, um, I like this bit where, you know, don't jail, don't send me to jail. It would kill my mother. She doesn't know about this, and he's just like, well, I should think she wouldn't, but just the same. Uh, I like how he just kind of pauses, like, I don't want to hurt, I don't want to <laughs> hurt your mother. Right. <laughs> he's such a good guy. <laughs> Batman's such a good guy. <laughs> Golly gee, I don't want to upset your mother. Um, I liked page four. Um, yeah, just a lot this, of talk, talk, talk. Yeah, it was a lot of talk, talk, talk. But I, I kind of enjoyed that the exposition was more at the beginning when you're actually supposed to be learning things than right. than waiting till the end and Batman tells us all this stuff that he did that we didn't see. That he did research in in between panels that yeah couldn't possibly done yeah. I mean, I like this that this bat you know Batman is like using this kid to get the bigger fish. Boy, that doesn't sound very good when you say it out loud, but but. <laughs> That is very Batman, you know. Uh, yeah. I like the plan they come up with and meet me here at such and such a time, and and if you if you don't show up, you're in big trouble, you know, all that stuff. That's really cool. I like the panel towards the bottom of the page, panel six, mm-hmm. where it's slinking away into the darkness. I thought that was both great narration and, and dialogue. And even the panel after it, I started thinking like usually they don't you know quote unquote waste panels like that, but there's this. The panel afterwards where the kid's like left alone in the dark. Uh-huh. And he's like, gosh, he just disappeared like a ghost. I thought that was pretty cool too that they threw that in there. Yeah, we, we've only seen just the one time where Batman disappears you know, with, without anyone noticing he's leaving. Uh, the very first story. Remember he leaps out of the transom and Commissioner Gordon's looking around for him? Oh, yeah. Very, very first story. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a police officer, but I, no, it was Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. But that's not become a staple at all in the book yet, which I thought of when I saw that panel. Yeah, I wonder if that is really – I mean, of course he's probably done it in the comics, but I wonder if that was really hammered in with the animated series more than anything else. But who's Probably. I don't know. Yeah, that's where it became a kind of a staple of – Like a joke. Right, yeah. Um, But speaking of dialogue, in the last panel, sometimes the dialects in these Golden Age – uh, comics are a bit annoying. Mm-hmm. This guy says, "Gosh, me jaw feels like if it's broke." No one <laughs> talks like that. No, even bad Irish isn't that bad. Right. Probably. These guys are kind of dumb too. It's like, "Oh, the Batman's not here anymore." Okay, let's just go to our meeting. I mean, what were they thinking? Like he just gets his kicks going around, <laughs> knocking dudes out, and then he leaves. Makes I guess. sense to me. Yeah, I guess. Of course, they're criminals, not known for being smart. So. True. True. 
So page five, we're introduced to the main villains of the story. We got, obviously, Hugo Strange, but then we got this guy who's a racketeer leader. I guess the guy who's in, really in charge, if you go by what the boy was saying. It seemed like Hugo Strange was just working for him or something. But this guy named Carstairs, which, by the way, is the weirdest name ever. <laughs> it doesn't even sound like a name. I don't know. It's like, what can we name our next guy? Uh, They just look out the window. Carstairs? <laughs> You know there's someone listening to this with that last name. They're going to be all yeah. offended now. Yeah. It could have been that or like Tree Door. <laughs> <laughs> Bi- bicycle Birdbath. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he seems kind of like pointless. Not to get uh, too liter- literate on these stories, but like... A little bit, yeah. What did he provide that Hugo Strange could have just been the leader you know, what, I don't know. He he kind of like disappears halfway through the story anyway. Right. Like I don't even know if Hugo betrays him to when he starts rambling about trying to take over the world instead or the country instead of just robbing banks or if I don't know. I don't know he either. Did, he did nothing really. I, I think he's just he's just there to um, get beat up later mostly. Mm-hmm. But this is Hugo Strange's uh. Third appearance? First, yes. First time since Batman number one where he was knocked out a window and into the water. So he's... Batman to wonder if that was the last they saw of him. He's tied with Catwoman on reoccurring villain appearances, I think. Yes. And Joker's still the winner with four. So barely. Joker's Have barely we, the winner. We've had four Joker appearances? Yeah. I think so because we just covered one... The last detective story had a Joker story. Oh, he had two stories in Batman number one. That's right. 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 Okay. Yep. So he's eaken by as the winner, but. Right. Um, but holding up, getting back into the, the story itself, they're they're going to hold up this bank, right? Mm-hmm. And they've got this little bitty gas gun, uh-huh. which doesn't seem very efficient at all because no. it looks like they have to go up and shoot each person individually and hopefully not run out of ammunition. Yeah. It does look that way. I wonder if that's just bad drawing because I guess if you had something that you just sprayed into the entire room or something, that'd be pretty efficient. Right. But if you have to go up and point it at each person, especially <laughs> people who are holding guns who have that have bullets that go faster than toxic spray, right? You know, it just seems like these cops could have gunned those dudes down before they even pulled on them. But yeah, you'd think. But, and it, it, from the narration on the next page, it seems like they did this at many places across the city. Mm-hmm. And they're also doing it outside. Right. So it does seem like suggest that it's more of a point-and-shoot kind of method because if you just – you can't encompass a whole large area outside, it would just dissipate probably. And, but, yeah. Well, given given the rules of gas dispersion we've seen in previous Batman stories. <laughs> it just knocks out whoever, whoever you're intending it to knock out. Right. Including Dick Tracy. Or no, Dick Tracy's the one, the villain in this one, yeah. Because there he is again, another yellow jumpsuited fedora-wearing right. square-jawed dude. I think but, it's the same guy. I think it's the same guy. Was he a good guy in the last one? or a bad? Yeah, he was a bad guy. No, he was a thug. Yeah, was... this guy gets around. <laughs> he just works from one villain to the next. Yeah. He probably goes home at night. How'd it go tonight? How'd it go today, Larry? Oh, man, got me out of a job again. <laughs> There was a story in the most recent 
uh, Batman the Brave and the Bold, the, the comic that tied into the animated series that was about a guy that worked for several henchmen and every time Batman fold their plans so he'd go work for another henchman. And <laughs> See? It's kind of funny. That's funny. But page six, we have a great comic booky panel here with the uh, – for those of you who don't have the issue – in front of you, we see this guy's head, and he's got like this frightful expression on his face. And then we have these circles radiating out from it, and these uh, big comic booky uh, words that say "fear, fear, fear," as yeah. it's you know, kind of montaging through the through the attacks. Very cool. It's very cool. It's like the uh, Catwoman newspaper panel, kind of. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think there was one before that we talked about. Now I can't remember what it was, but. It was yeah. in the Ugly Man storyline. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They've been doing these cool, like, montage panels that just convey right. convey a message. Here's some more nitpicking on my part. Not really nitpicking. I just think it's funny. Like, Batman's very trusting because he tells this kid to come back and tell him all the stuff that happened at the meeting. But who's to say that kid's actually going to do it or if he's maybe going to tell his boss that Batman wants to meet him. I mean, who knows? Just because the kid cried doesn't mean he's a nice guy. Yeah. So it's kind of funny that he just shows up and doesn't stake the place or bring Robin with him as backup or anything. Just there yeah, it'd be is. fun to be fun to see a story where that kind of bites him in the butt. Yeah. He, he trusts somebody and then like this one. Kinda. Well, they didn't. They didn't really. It didn't really. I mean. Well, yeah, the kid didn't betray him. Right. He just uh, didn't know he was followed. But we have Batman getting knocked out again. Yeah, we really should have kept track of that. Uh, I think a at a certain time. point, it, well, yeah, it's going to be too high of a number to, to keep track of. If yeah, at a certain point. But. Um, and then here's more nitpicking on my part. I kind of felt like this reveal. Well, it wasn't really a reveal because we already knew Hugo Strange was in the story, but reveal to Batman anyway that Hugo Strange still exists. It's like just this dinky little panel in the bottom right corner of the page. I don't know. It seemed like it could have been more important than that, maybe. But Yeah, they haven't really mastered the splash pages yet. Well, or, yeah. Or splash panels in the story mm-hmm. for significant events. They don't They don't have a lot of space, I grant you that, but like at least it could have been the biggest panel on the page or something. Right. I mean, But even, even Batman's reaction is pretty subdued, considering uh-huh. the last time he saw Strange, he was falling to his death. Yeah, he only has three reoccurring villains in his life currently. So, and one of them was supposed to be dead. It would have been cool to get well, more. Well, Doctor Death was recurring. Oh yeah. Okay. So two should have been dead, and one isn't. And he's just like, oh, I should have known it was you, because you're you're the only professor I know. Page seven. Um, maybe this is uh, evil of me, but I really love it when superheroes get beat down. Um, I guess that's because they can climb back up again. But this is a really great page where all these guys are right. just ju- jumping on him and. Especially this one circular panel where it's like every fist and boot, mm-hmm. boot and and stick in the room is like just punching him in the head. It's pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah. Is this the first time we've seen Batman on the receiving end of a gang beatdown like this? I mean, usually he's a little more capable of getting out of such things. I feel like I've written that he was overcome by the odds before, but I don't remember for what story. Mm. And I don't know if it was this. Certainly wasn't this brutal, whatever it was. No. I think he just got knocked unconscious. You know, in the past, yeah, I think it was more like he was fighting three guys and the fourth guy hit him from behind or something like that. Right. Nothing like this, yeah. 
this is pretty vicious. This is hospital worthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they've, I mean, they've got him. They've got his arms pinned behind his back, and they're just going to town on him. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to go to the hospital after one of those punches, probably, <laughs> especially the one where the guy's holding a stick, right, or the baseball bat, or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I do like how in the panel five here that uh, Hugo Strange gets a kick into the ribs after Batman's already down on the ground. Yeah, yeah, he's obviously not Irish because that's a huge rule for them not to do that. Mm. Never kick a man while he's down. Yeah, I don't think Strange is an Irish surname. No, no. Uh, but I think I wrote in my synopsis that they locked him in another room, but actually they just put him in another room because the door's wide open. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of thinking, that's awfully dumb. I mean, I know you just knocked him unconscious, you know, beat him severely unconscious, but still, he is Batman. Maybe lock the door or put him in a room that's not within earshot of your master plan or yeah something. That'd be a little smarter. Maybe. He's not, for a professor, he's not very smart. He just, he just he just calls himself professor. I was just gonna say, I think maybe he's not a legit professor, but uh, Doctor Death wasn't a real doctor either. Eh, probably not. Yeah. Uh, so then page eight comes around, and as I was reading this, I thought, I bet Bradley isn't gonna love this. Or was it Which, seven? Page seven, I guess, and eight kind of combined, where he recovers from this horrible beating that should have him in traction. Well, no, I liked it. The only problem I had with it was in panel six, where it says, Years of rigorous athletic training have enabled Batman not only to resist, but to recover from brutal beatings that would have injured most mortal men. It's like, yeah, I don't think it works that way. Yeah. Certainly, yeah, I don't know. I guess because it's Batman, I impose my own ideas of what his training was, but certainly in 1940, they were probably just talking about boxing and doing a lot of push-ups. Probably, yeah. Uh, whereas today, I, I envision him like taking some sort of martial ability to resist pain and and you know roll with punches and who knows right. what else. But I'm sure they weren't thinking about that when they wrote that. But I did like, you know, he gets beat down, and then at the top of the page, he wakes up and he's listening to him, and he says, I can't trust myself to rush them yet until mm-hmm. I get my full strength back. I must wait. Mm-hmm. And then the next panel, we see sometime later, the three men have left as guards suddenly see the door open and a slumping figure comes out. So yeah. he, we do see him wanting to go, but but having to recover a little bit first. So I did like that. Yeah, and he looks really vulnerable in that in that panel where he's coming out of the pink room, the hot pink mm-hmm. room or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the green door frame and the yellow walls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what the heck does Hugo do at that house anyway? But anyway... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, he's all shaking, and he looks all like he's about ready to fall over on his own. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I love this next panel where he just turns into this, I don't know how to describe it. Like Badly. It's like uh, he just gets, it's not drawn well, but I like the description where right. he gets, he straightens up, and his muscles ripple, and he gets mad, and right. like he finds his inner strength and takes him down. Yeah, I didn't mind that. If they just would have left off that the narrative caption there in panel six, I would have been okay. Well, you know, maybe if you do a lot of push-ups, you could take beatings better. I wouldn't know. I don't do a lot of push-ups. <laughs> and I don't get beat that often, so. What? Who knows? Uh, let's see. Robin makes an appearance as Paige. Yay! 
Yeah, it it seems like the bigger deal they make out of him in the opening narration, the longer it takes for him to appear in the story. <laughs> right. And I still think his narration, his descriptions in those narrations are really like clashing with with Batman's because the first the first half of those boxes are so cool. It's like <laughs> garbed in the hues of night itself. He hovers above the hordes of evil like impending doom. Oh, and he's got a grinning, restless sidekick named Robin, too, by the way, who's really cool and keen. Ah, oh, you totally wrecked that, Robin. Oh, well. But yeah, once again, Robin's very handy because they got a whole city to cover and two is better than one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then Batman calls Robin or Robin calls Batman on their wireless belt radios uh-huh. and Robin says, oh, it's you, Batman. <laughs> Who else is expecting to call on their secure channel one-way belt radios? He, he probably calls Superman a lot. <laughs> can, I, can I be your partner, please? <laughs> no. Superboy has a nice ring to it, don't you think? So what do you since we're at the point now where you know they have to stop Hugo Strange's ultimate plan, what do you think of his ultimate plan? Well, I think his plan as far as, you know, mad scientists and comic books plans go is an is an okay one. I mean, if you uh, if you have a gas that will cripple everyone with fear mm-hmm. and can infect the right people, then I can see how that would work, but you know, again, just using the little bitty gas gun, I don't think yeah. is exactly the most efficient way to go about that. So there's that. It seems like it's, it's taking all his resources just to infect one city. How's he going to take over a country? Right. But uh, also I got to thinking, like, and I assume this thing doesn't wear off. Maybe it does. I don't know. But if you take over a country by turning everybody crazy, then who the heck are you leading, you know? I mean, right. it's like, yeah. yay, I'm the only sane person in a world full of anarchy. You know, I mean, it just... Yeah, I'm going I, to kill everyone so I can rule the world! Yeah, right, now, what good is that? I don't know. Right. You can't get a cheeseburger anymore, so... And it doesn't wear off, but at the end, um, Batman says that he has given the pills to a research laboratory to try and find an antidote. Right. So but whether Hugo Strange would have done that, I don't know. Or maybe, right, right. maybe he just wants to rule crazy people. Um, <laughs> he wants to make them all crazy to turn them into big mutant monsters like he did in the last storyline. Yeah. Or something. Um, I like these panels. of, I like all these next couple pages because they're very fast-paced and lots of action. and mm-hmm. You know, you, you really lots feel... Robin-centric. That too, but you also you feel like the heroes are in a hurry to stop everybody because there's a timeline or, you know, a time, a time crunch or something. Right. Um, but Batman, I really like these running Batman panels cause he's like practically horizontal. It's kind of very mm-hmm. uh, dynamic and I don't know why, but we don't normally see that, I guess from Kane. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. He's, he doesn't do a lot of running. It's usually jumping mm-hmm. and swinging. Mm-hmm. Kane must've been reading some flash comics or something to, or Superman, because oh, that's kind of what Superman does when oh, he yeah. runs too. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did like the uh, the Robin uh, when he's walking the uh, electric or the Telephone. telegraph pole. Mm-hmm. He references being in the circus and mentions his mom and dad. I, I really like that. Oh yeah, love that. Love that. Anytime they do that, um, and also just how cool he is that he can walk a telephone line. Oh yeah, yeah. I can believe Robin would do it. 
or could do it. Mm-hmm. I would I would probably have more of a nitpick if Batman was doing it. Yeah, that's what's so cool about Robin is I I actually believe he can do things that Batman can do, which is pretty neat. And I also like the first thing Robin stops because of all the places they have to find the bad guys between the subway and a movie theater and a reservoir. The reservoir obviously makes the most sense if you're trying to infect an entire city. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he. we have this whole page of, of Robin awesomeness as he's beating up crooks, and he's actually going after the major threat. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, Strange was the villain of the story, but, you know, poisoning a reservoir is, is a bigger threat than anything uh, Strange was trying to do, so... Mm-hmm. I love these thugs, though. It's like, okay, put the barrel here, and then <laughs> stick this two by four, and lean it against the barrel. And Larry, you stand on this side, <laughs> and I'll stand on this side, and then we'll distribute the poison. Oh wait, Robin just used that against us. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to figure out, like, <laughs> like I was trying to give him the benefit of that. Okay, what purpose does this serve other than Robin? Jumping down from a pole and smacking, and you know, landing on it so that he could smack him with it. Yeah, what were they doing with that? I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Why are you putting a two by four on the barrel that you're supposed to be throwing in the water? I sure hope Robin doesn't jump down and hit us with this board. <laughs> oh, God, that was funny. Uh, and he picks up a barrel full of toxin. I don't know. Is toxin heavy? Maybe it's not heavy. But he's a pretty strong kid. Was was the toxin in the barrel? Oh, I... Because then it even makes even less sense why they're putting the board on top of it. That's what I mean. I assume that's why the barrel's there. Why else would they have a barrel? But I have no idea. Then and again... What's, in, what's these little, like... The boxes? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. There's a box on each side of the barrel, or the, the board, like, balancing there for no reason. Yeah. I don't know. And it looks like in the first panel, the, the thug in white is holding a box. That's right. weird. <laughs> they were just like doing <laughs> physics homework while they waited. <laughs> uh, maybe the caption says something we're not reading. I don't know. No, it does. No. Yeah, no. I've yeah. been kind of skimming it while you were talking and no. Yeah, I don't know. But I do like this. the last panel on this page. It's kind of a unique angle from for a Golden Age comic at this point. Uh huh. We're looking up as he jumps up to, to grab the sign. I like that was pretty cool. Doctor H. Robbins. Dentist. Robinson. Robinson. Yeah, if you look at the next page, you see a better look. Hey, didn't we talk about an H. Robinson being referenced in a past story? Uh, that was an A. Robinson. Oh. Uh, it was on a window in the background. Maybe it was supposed to be H, or maybe this is supposed to be A. I don't know. And I'm a and it, while I look a, it up. A and H is pretty close. Mm-hmm. Hey, it was it was Doctor Robinson Dentist. Yeah. So maybe that is supposed to be the same guy. It's got to be right. Of course, that means he has two clinics. Well, maybe he's got a chain or something. Yeah. Could be. It's a small town, New York City. That's kind of weird. I, I like the continuity of that, but it's kind of weird that they would reference it twice. Maybe they actually have a dentist named that, or something. Maybe. On this page and the next, we see a movie marquee advertising Melody of 1941, starring mm-hmm. Tyrone Taylor and Myrna Rogers. And I 
did some Googling to see if that was a real movie, which it's not. And there's also no actors by those names that I know of. Huh. But there was a movie called Broadway Melody of 1940 out earlier this year, earlier 1940, that starred Fred Astaire and Eleanor Powell. The movie now, was called Broadway Melody of 1940? Right. Oh, that's pretty close. Right. Now, also interesting is that there was an actor around this time by the name of Tyrone Power who starred in the 1940 remake of The Mark of Zorro. Huh. So I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And there was also an actress named Marna Loy who was a pretty big actress around this time, and she she was in the Thin Man movies. And in 1939, she was in a movie called Lucky Night with an actor by the name of Robert Taylor. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if any of these names are a tip of the hat to that, but you know, given that Finger and Kane were both big movie fans, and we've seen other thinly veiled movie references in past stories, I just kind of found that interesting. I wonder what the rule, like legally, on using real titles and stuff in these kind of scenes is, because it seems like they never do in either Marvel or DC. It's always like close, but not yeah, exactly. I don't know. I mean, is that just against the law or something? Sometimes you'll see a real movie referenced, you that, know. Yeah, I know. Like in the '80s, I've seen comics where they talk about Indiana Jones or whatever. But yeah, but it seems like these old stories they don't. I don't know if that's just because it was a game to be clever, or if there was like some legal reason they weren't allowed to do that. I don't know. Me neither. Seems like a lot of trouble when you could just use a real movie. Yeah. But maybe that's part of the fun, and I'm just lazy. I don't know. But moving on to page 11, so how does this guy plan on dosing an entire crowd with the fear gas when he's only got one little gun? And See, that's what I'm talking about. It just doesn't make yeah. any sense when he has yeah. to shoot people individually. And, so. and what is this movie the- – how is this movie theater key to taking over the city or the <laughs> right. United States, you know? I mean right. – Yeah, that's – yeah. I mean we went from an, saving a reservoir from being infected to one dude on top of a, a movie theater marquee or whatever. Um, yeah. We can no prize it and say there was somebody really important at the theater, like yeah. the mayor or the governor. But yeah, that's where the president goes to watch his movies. Right. I do like this panel though, or this whole scene is cool. Robin being more, you know, agile again. But I love this panel mm-hmm. where, like, he's after he knocks the guy off the marquee, he's jumping back down, and there's like a little shadow of where he was. Yeah, outlined in white. Uh huh. Versus cool. where he is. Yeah, that's like not really a style you you see much of in this this period so it's kind of neat to see some motion i also like this panel where we cut to professor strange's secret hangar and he's standing in front of his plane holding a wrench mm-hmm. i don't know why i just find that amusing i don't know what he's doing with that wrench like he got there his plans all in place and like his plane won't work or something right ah <laughs> so, uh, i gotta fix the propeller um but i also love the and I missed it the first time I was reading it, but there's a shadow of Batman's head, like yeah, on like, the plane, creeping over the plane. That's mm-hmm. kind of like their indication that he's arrived. That's really cool. And uh, Hugo Strange even says that shadow, the Batman. Mm-hmm. And once again, animal animalistic crazy rage seems to catch Batman by surprise. Yeah, because every time one of these villains with the skinny, scrawny arms that would stand no chance gets mad. They always end up like <laughs> surprise hitting him and knocking him over. Uh-huh. Clocks uh, him right with a wrench. Yeah, Watch. that would hurt, especially after already being beaten. 
well, he works out, so he was able to recover from that faster than right. something. Right. No, he should be black and blue. That's for sure. But I guess he is, technically. That's just his costume. So. And on page 12, Batman kills a guy. Yep. Again. Yep, pretty much. I mean, whether it was intentional or not, he punches him, and then there's this panel that talks about for moments he teeters. So that means he just stood there and watched him teeter. Yeah. And that's essentially the same thing as just killing a guy, I guess. I mean, if you can reach out and steady him, mm-hmm. <laughs> you should have. Or, I don't know, pull him back up? Yeah, that too. Try and catch him. Instead, he just says, well, looks like that's the end <laughs> of Hugo Strange. Because he's never fallen before. Yeah. And survived. Although this is, technically, I, of course, I didn't know that at the time, but this is the end of Hugo Strange as far as, yeah. you know, pretty much, as far as yeah. Golden Age comics are concerned. That's true, but I just think it's funny that he's so cocky about it, considering yeah. it's just the exact same way he supposedly died last time. And the fact that the same thing has happened to the Joker a couple times, and mm-hmm. he keeps coming back. Clearly, Hugo Strange is a professional diver, because he somehow survives these yeah. horrific falls into water. But then panels four through six are just more talk, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but I kind of liked it this time. I don't know if it was just the scenery. Like, it was just kind of interesting to see them, like, like walking home. I don't know what they were doing, but I don't even know how Robin got there, but <laughs> in his roadster, I guess. But <laughs> just, like, walking and having a movie. He does stroll. just kind of show up out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and also the last three pages were just so action, action, action. It was kind of neat to have a little decompression and yeah, and wrap things up, I guess. It wasn't. It didn't seem as hokey as like when Batman starts talking about, uh, you know, some rare disease that you have to look up on Wikipedia to see if he's right and, mm-hmm. and things like that. It was a little more um, fluid, I guess. But still, yeah, it was kind of like we're at a panel, so let's just – have him send those pills to a research laboratory or something. Yeah. It is kind of a neat panel here with Batman and Robin, uh, panel four. Batman's cape looks a little wonky, but, you know, they're just – it's mm. kind of an iconic shot. He's sitting there with his hand on Robin's shoulder. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I like five, too, with, like, the silhouette of them just, like, walking away. Uh-huh. Um, and I really like this last panel, even though it's completely <laughs> pointless to the story. But it's just – yeah. it's such an iconic Bob Kane Batman face, you know? Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, but it it's just so big. It feels like <laughs> Kane just ran out of story and they still had a page and a quarter left. So yeah. they just said, "Oh, just you know, just draw a big Batman head and say the he's looking forward to seeing the readers again." That'll do. Yeah, that took him like two minutes, probably. Probably. But you know, if he drew it, <laughs> if he drew it right, uh, I don't know. I like the story overall, though. It was good. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't help but wonder if this story had, you know, with the fear gas, had any influence on the Scarecrow. Yeah, I thought about that, too. You know, you can't think of fear in Batman and not right. the Scarecrow in there somewhere. So. Right. I mean, we're still about a year away, publication-wise, from the Scarecrow's first appearance. Mm. But uh, so when we get there, we'll have to keep this in mind. Apparently, the Scarecrow just rips off previous villains. Just like the Weather Wizard. The Weather Wizard? Yeah, he stole Hugo Strange's lightning. Oh, oh right, 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 right. Yeah. I don't know. No, but I like like I liked I know I know they already did the kid thing, but I liked it again. Especially the whole like 
using him to get bigger fish. And I like, I like anytime there's an established character that returns, villain right. or otherwise. So that was fun because it's just such a rarity on these stories. And uh, like I said before, for some reason I like when heroes get beat up. So that was a really cool scene. I think mean, it's cool. I don't. I think Hugo Strange's, you know, mission to take over the United States was kind of wonky, but they always are. So can't yeah. judge that too harshly. He started out with the concentrated lightning to blanket the city in fog, so his men could rob <laughs> banks, and then he went to turning inmates into giant monsters, so or insane asylum people oh, right. into giant monsters, so he mm. could do. What did he do with that? I forget. Did they even ever, ever say what he was, what his objective was? Uh, wow, I don't know. Did they just uh, punch people and stuff, or did they rob banks? Hello. They they might oh, have been yeah. robbing banks. Okay. Maybe. But um, but then he moves on to the fear gas to rob banks and eventually take over the country. So. Yeah. As mad scientist plots go, they're pretty standard. But I, I do like that he seems to be working his way up to bigger things. He kind of reminds me of. Um... God, now I'm going to forget his name. Who's Superman's version of this besides Lex Luthor? Uh, the Ultra Humanite? The Ultra Humanite, yeah. Kind of. I mean, not exactly, I guess. but Yeah, not exactly, but kind of in the same vein. Like overkill on the on the science stuff to get something right. done that you could probably just get done with a, with a gun. Right. Like a lightning. Actually, he didn't even create that lightning thing. He just stole it, but right. that's funny. Anyway. But Batman was right. This is actually Hugo Strange's last appearance, at least as far as Golden Age, you know, this Earth 2 world that we're covering is concerned. Um, he doesn't show up again until 1977, at which point that's considered Earth 1. So it's probably a whole new origin or something. I've never read that. Um, and that's in Detective Comics number 471. But this Earth 2 doc- Doctor Strange, sorry. DC people. This Earth 2 Hugo Strange that we're covering um, does make one final appearance, but it's not until 1982, so we'll never get to it. And it's in a Brave and the Bold issue number 182 in a story called Interlude Interlude on Earth 2, which I haven't read. I just got all that off of uh, Mike's Amazing World of DC, but the cover looks really cool on that issue, so I kind of want to read it. I actually looked that up after seeing it in your notes, uh-huh. and what happens is the the Earth-1 Batman is transported to Earth-2 and teams up with the Earth-2 Robin and Batwoman to defeat Hugo Strange. And now I really want to read it, because <laughs> that sounds cool. I only did a quick skim, but it seems like – it kind of seemed like Strange only played a minor role in it because the crux of the story is the interaction between – Right. Earth One Batman and then the the Earth Two characters because at that time Earth Two Batman was dead and the Earth uh, One Batwoman was also dead so there was a lot of weirdness with the Earth One Batman seeing the Earth Two Batwoman and vice versa and that was that that's when Robin was sporting that kind of funky but cool outfit with the long legs and the right and the right. you know green mask and stuff it was kind of neat. It seems like a really good story. It was written by Alan Brennert with art, as you said, by Jim Aparo. So not a lot of room there for error. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. I wonder if if they address where that – it must take place after this-ish story. So like do they address how – that Right, because Robin is still grown. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Like do they just take for granted that he's still alive or 
do they talk about it? We'll have to figure that out. Like I said, I only did a quick skim. It was reprinted in that Secrets of the Batcave trade paperback that we were talking about a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. It also reprints The Man Who Falls, which we've mentioned a couple times. So I, that's another reason to go track that trade down. Yeah, really. That'd be cool. Um, and speaking of reprints, this story, if you'd like to read it, is reprinted in Batman, The Dark Knight Archives, Volume 1, 1992, and something new, Batman Chronicles, Volume 3. Three! Not Volume 2, kids. Volume 3, which came out in 2007. And also The Essential Hugo Strange, which comes out in 2015. <laughs> I just made yeah, that up. Though. Good luck with that. Yeah. Hey, this is Bane. Listen to this promo for the BatmanUniverse.net or I'll break you. The BatmanUniverse.net, your source for all things related to the Dark Knight, including the latest news related to the comics, movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and much more. Each month, an assortment of podcasts are produced, including a bi-monthly comic podcast, special commentaries and interviews, the Batman Universe specials, and a podcast which delves into TV, movie, merchandise, video game news, and beyond. Keep up to date with everything about Batman, get to know the kooky and lovable casts of the podcasts, listen to in-depth conversations about the latest direct-to-video movies, and increase your knowledge about the Dark Knight and his family, only at thebatmanuniverse.net. I'm Dustin from the BatmanUniverse.net, and I approve this message. Elsewhere in this Detective Comics issue, we have some more stories that Batman shares a spotlight with. We got a story called Goldfish, featuring Spy, just Spy now. Six pages by Jerry Siegel and Ed Moore. We got The Case of the Circus Killer, which features Larry Steele, Private Detective. Six pagers. By Erwin Hasten, or is that supposed to be Hansen? Did I mistype that? No, it's Hasten. It's Hasten. Okay. The Ghost Plane, starring the Crimson Avenger, six pages by Jack Letty. Joe Decker and Hal Jensen, starring Speed Saunders, Ace Investigator, six pages by Ed Winiarski as Fran Miller. Uh, was he trying to pass himself off as a female writer, or is Fran a boy name too? Uh. Could be a, a a guy. Maybe it's Francis. Okay. Uh, next story. Not so dummy. Two pages. Text piece by Dale Conroy and Fred Ray. Bargain death. Six pages of Steve Malone, district attorney. Super action packed there. By Don Lynch. He hit the guy with a table in that story. Oh, all right. That's yeah. that's his lawyer training right there. Um, half page of silly stuff. Really is just silly stuff, and re- even one out of three was like remotely funny on that. That's just really weird. But that's that's about average for those. Yeah, it's by Henry Baltanoff. The wrecked boat, starring Cliff Crosby, was only five pages, so it got a page doc, just like Batman's story. And that was by Chad Grothkoff. And lastly, we have a very humorless Sam Slam Bradley in a story called Death and the Hockey Game which was eight pages by Jerry Siegel and Howard Sherman. Mm. And that wraps up that issue. We criticize a lot of the art in the Batman stories for just being, you know, the bad anatomy and that kind of thing. But if Mm -hmm. you look at the art and some of these other features, the Batman strip is far and above any of the rest of them. 
I would absolutely agree, mostly due to just the dynamic panel layouts, I think, more than anything. Yeah. It seems like it's far more open and interesting. Well, even like the figures, I mean, if you look at what were those first couple features, uh, Spy and mm-hmm. Crimson Avenger and Larry Steele, yeah. that's just ugly art. It's not only ugly, they're trying to be kind of realistic, so it's like reading like a Rex Morgan newspaper strip or something. It's just yeah. kind of boring. It's like lots of talking heads. and You know, Batman is full body kicking you in the face shots and stuff. I can see why it's way more dynamic. Yeah. Even if it looks wonky sometimes when he has like a little baby hand punching a face, but <laughs> at least they tried. The stubby arm of the wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, outside of Detective Comics, other books from DC included Adventure Comics number 57 with the very last Federal Men's Strip written by Jerry Siegel. Uh, the strip continues written by other writers, uh, and Siegel is still writing all his other strips, including Superman and uh, Spy and Slam Bradley, The Spectre, Radio Squad, and Red, White, and Blue. We had Superman number 8 with four brand spanking new Superman stories. Flash Comics number 13 and All-American Comics number 22. There was Action Comics number 32, which introduced the Crypto Ray Gun that we'll, Uh I'm sure, be seeing ads for in coming issues. And then there was All-Star Comics number 3, where the Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman, the Atom, the Sandman, the Hourman, the Spectre, and Dr. Fate joined forces for the first meeting of the Justice Society of America. Really? Wow. And Batman appears in a few issues of that title way down the road, so we will be covering those eventually. So he wasn't a founding member? No. Neither Batman or Superman were founding members of the JSA. I did not know that. Huh. Because they... uh, Yeah. Nope. Neither one of them were. So we will be covering that stuff, though, probably, huh? Yeah, we have to. Batman appears, yeah. Yeah. I I I guess we'll find out. We are everything Batman from the beginning, so... Yeah, but we'll see how Bat-centric it is, whether it's worth a whole episode, or... We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, because there's the one where he just appears, like, in a panel at the end. I don't Mm -hmm. think we need to spend an entire episode on that. Yeah, right. It would be a much easier episode for (laughs) doing notes for. Five-page, five-minute episode. Yeah, and I'll even do the synopsis for that one. Oh, okay, thanks. Batman shows up at the end. Yep. Uh, but then there was more fun comics number 63 where nothing even remotely interesting happened. So, what? No fun? Well, I'm sure it was all sorts of fun, but nothing worth talking about on the show. Uh, so you got anything else for November 1963? November 1940? Uh, just that it went way faster than October 1940. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um. I, get, I bet Batman fans really like those every third month or, or whatever. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Next episode, we will be beginning our look at Batman from December 1940. There were actually two issues of Detective Comics released that month, so it'll take us two episodes to get through it. <sighs> but we're going to kick things off next month. What are you signing for? It's two Batmans. That's cool. It's cool. Okay, Uh, but we're kicking things off next month with Detective Comics number 47, and I did not look ahead, so I can't tell you the the, uh, story title. But until then, if you have questions, comments, etc., please email us at podcast at batmanlegends.com. We do love hearing from listeners, so drop us a line and let us know your thoughts. 
Also, stop by the website at batmanlegends.com for show notes for this and all episodes. At the site, you will also find a contact form, links to the show's Facebook page and Twitter feed, the RSS feed, and the iTunes link. If you use iTunes, we'd appreciate it if you take a moment to leave an iTunes review because it helps people know that the show is awesome and worth listening to. Mike and I also have other podcasts that we hope you'll check out. Mike is one of three co-hosts on the new 52 Adventures of Superman, along with John Wilson and J. David Weeder, where they are reviewing the current Superman books, and you can find that at new52superman.libsyn.com. And I have two other shows. First is The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, where I am doing what Mike and I do here, but with the Man of Steel. And you can find that and other comic book-related postings from time to time at greatcrypton.com. And lastly, I co-host Green Lantern's Light with J. David Weeder and Jeffrey Taylor. And there we are looking at the late Bronze Age and uh, modern-day adventures of Green Lantern. And you can find that at greenlanternslight.com. So once more, thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you next next time. See you next week. Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and it's copyright DC Comics.